um, one scripture together as we prepare, prepare for the message. Let's turn in our Bibles to John, uh, John chapter 13, the Gospel of John chapter 13 and verse 6. So he came to Simon Peter, chapter 13, verse 6 of John. And he came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, and if you don't have a Bible, just look on, to the, look on with the person next to you. And he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? So Jesus is coming at Peter with a towel that he had girded himself with in verse 4. And he's about to wash Peter's feet. And Jesus said to him, what I do now, what I do you do not realize now, but you shall understand hereafter. And Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet, exclamation point. Like, you're never going to wash my feet. No way. I, you know, you ever have something that someone wants to give you or do something for you, and you're like, no way, I can do this myself. Don't, you know, isn't that an aspect of human pride? And so Jesus says to him, if I do not wash your feet, in verse 8, you have no part or no fellowship with me. And verse 9, Peter, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, do not wash my feet only, but also my hands and my head. He said, I want to have fellowship with you. I want to have a part with you. I want to participate in fellowship with you. So don't just wash my feet. Wash everything. Peter was such a man of extremes and, and um, paradoxes. And he said, Jesus said to him in verse 10, and this is the key verse, he who has, he who has bathed need only to wash his feet, but he is completely clean. And you are clean. And then he refers to Judas, not all of you. I don't want to talk about that this morning, but he has been bathed, only needs to wash his feet, but it, and is completely clean. And you are clean as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Bless the word and the word that we've already heard in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, just by way of review before we get into our new topic, uh, this month we want to talk about, in the month of November, and don't forget, November 22nd we have Pastor Love, the chaplain for the New York Knicks. He's going to be coming here and speaking. And if you have friends or people that um, you would like to maybe invite to church, uh, bring them out. We have these special cards that we've been uh, talking about, uh, inviting getting four names of people and praying over them and inviting them out. And that's in two Sundays, the 22nd. And he's going to speak to us about uh, this subject of transformation. And so by way of review, remember the conversation that um, Satan had with Eve in the garden? Remember that? The conversation that was really about an apple, but the elephant in the room, or in this case, the serpent in the room, was being ignored. And this is really the strategy of the devil, that, we, that he would get us occupied with things instead of what really spiritually is going on. And we call this spiritual discernment in 1 John 4. And I would say that there are many, many, many Christians, including ourselves, that can function with such little spiritual discernment in their life. 
they get really wrapped up with the apple. I can't touch the apple. I can't, I can't do anything with the apple. Uh, and they get so occupied with the do not touch aspect of Christianity that really is not do not touch. Because God never said to Eve, don't touch the apple. God said to Eve, don't assimilate it. Don't eat it. Don't metabolize the apple. And there are so many things that in fundamental hyper-Christianity that begins to teach on things that are extreme measures that the Bible never teaches. For example, we used the example last week of TV. Um, There are some very uh, fundamental churches that say it's sin to have a TV set in your house. Uh, They are just occupied with the material object of a television but they miss the whole point of, of what is the spiritual aspect of what could happen on a TV. Uh, it's not the physical object that is evil in itself. And that's because that's what, that's what um, Ron was telling us earlier, that that's the teaching of Gnosticism, that material things are evil. And we have to be careful as Christians that we don't get into the type of philosophy that material things are evil that it's evil to have a car, it's evil to have a home. It's, it's just that we have to be careful that we do not become entangled with what is behind it. For example, I can turn my TV on and really watch a great Christian movie or be really encouraged by a very amazing uh, program. But I can also turn my TV on and just get tempted or get just drawn away into just crazy thinking. So we have to really be discerning, spiritually discerning, and not just get wrapped up with the material object of something. Um, And so that's what we had talked about last week. And so this month we want to just talk about what real transformation is. And I was thinking about this subject about a few, you know, about this a few days ago. And I woke up, and usually when I wake up, uh, I just really direct my mind to God. I just immediately just direct to God. I just either start praying or God will give me a word or a thought. And I just started thinking, God, I want a catharsis in my life. I want a cleansing. Do you ever, do you know what that means? A catharsis, a cleaning? Do you ever, it's just a, I just want a purging. I want to be, a, I want to have a cleansing. How many have ever heard that word catharsis? Okay. Just raise your hand if you've ever heard that word. It's a medical word, and it's also a psychological word. And we're going to talk about it this morning. But when we talk about real transformation, real change, politicians will get up and say, real change, we're going to really change things. And boy, do they change things to a mess. But real transformation only happens, and I want you to get this, real transformation in your life and in my life only happens on a spiritual level level. It can't happen only on a physical or a soulish level. Real transformation in your life can only happen on a spiritual level. There's a lot of social programs out there. There's a lot of political programs, a lot of economic programs that say, hey, let's send money to Africa so that they can have a chance to. But if they don't know how to budget money in Africa, then it's not going to help them. Okay, I'm not getting into politics here today, but But it's like transformation on a national level, economic level, or a social level, or in our personal life, cannot happen unless it's spiritual first. Many times Jesus, when he spoke to people in the Gospels that needed a major change in their life, he very often addressed their spiritual state, like in John chapter 9, or 
when Jesus spoke to the man that was, that was paralyzed in his, on his bed. And what was the first thing that Jesus did to that paralyzed man? He said, your sins are forgiven you. Spiritual transformation in that man's life happened first when he understood that his sins were forgiven. So I want you to remember this before we, as we get into this topic this month. Real transformation happens only at the spiritual level, not on the physical or soulish. Soulish meaning what I feel, what I think, just my whole subjective realm of my life. It doesn't happen there. Because if it happens only on the physical level or on the, on the soulish level, it's only behavioral modification, changing my behavior. Um, I heard recently, and I don't know if this, you know, you hear these statistics, and you never know if these statistics are politically motivated or whatever it is, but I heard that in the U.S. there are more people in jail than any other country in the the world. I don't know if that's true or not, but the point being is that that's a lot of people. And what does, what happens in jails? Well, there's a lot of awesome spiritual things that are happening because God's getting a hold of people's lives, but there's also something that's going on that, um, may not be helpful. It may be just a behavioral correction. Um, Pastor Kyle and I, my wife and Angelica, uh, Friday night we went up to Doylestown uh, to have some ice cream at this No-No's, whatever there's Nunu's, or it's like a <laughs> gelato place. And after we were walking around and we, we wandered over into this huge building. It looked like a castle or something, just amazing. I was like, wow, where are we in Germany or what? It's just a beautiful, beautiful building. And it's a museum, Mercer Museum. And we were walking around there and um, we were just thinking about uh, this uh, very interesting little town that we were, that we were living in. And uh, we walked into one of these buildings and behind, inside one of the buildings, this is old Bucks County Jail. Have you ever seen that? And uh, it's all kind of the, 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 it's part now of an artist building. But I looked, and I like old, old buildings, so I looked up and I saw very faded, faded uh, stone carving that it was Bucks County Jail. It was the Quaker Jail. And that the Quakers had, a, had like this, um, the way that they did correction, they put people, they put men by themselves in solitary confinement in an eight foot by 16 foot cell. And they, that was their way of just correcting them. And transformation does not happen in your life or in my life without spiritual, without, with, on, without the spiritual level. And that's why when we come to church, you're gonna get spiritual food. Um, not, not everywhere are they talking about spiritual things. There are there some churches that have a very humanitarian message a very political message, who to vote for, what to do. Another, um, other churches may have like a real self-development you know, message or a real feel-good message, but there's no, no one that, you know, very rarely do we find that someone that wants to really deal with the issues that are happening in people's lives. And real transformation can only happen in a spiritual level. And so I just want to make this point that uh, the world that we live in is very spiritual. And now, you know, we're not witch hunters. We don't look for demons behind couches. Um, but the world that we live in really is a very spiritual world. And we are very spiritual people. I mean, we are spiritual 
There's a, we are not just uh, inanimate material. You look at a rock and you say, that's not spiritual, that's just dead, that's just dead material. But in reality, it's not. And I'm not pantheistic in my, in my theology, but when you look at an object, every object that you see, a rock, a dead tree, or a living tree, there is a to- it's, it has atomic structure. There's energy going there. It's like there's electrons circling. You know, it's just with the atomic structure. It's living, not in the sense that it's a it's a living um, animal, but it it has uh, it has energy to it. It has molecular structure. I hope I didn't lose you yet. But what I'm trying to say is that there's no dead material in this world that we live in. It's all living, and it doesn't mean it has a soul. You know, I'm just saying that uh, that objects. Um, by nature are, are made up of energy. And that is why um, it's important to realize that uh, idol worship, idol worship is when you have a, um, uh, a, an attention or worship directed at an object that in itself is not evil, but what is behind it could be or may be. For example, um, there are things that we have every day that that we use that are not necessarily evil by nature, but but what is motivating it actually could be something that could turn evil very quickly if it's not care- it's not careful. For example, soccer games in Europe. How many of you ever watched on TV these soccer games in Europe? And at the end of the game, everybody just goes crazy. They pour they come pouring out of this out of the uh, stands, and they're just all they're just all beating each other up. You know, like you know, so the game itself is soccer evil? No, it's not. But what could happen is, is that people who are passive in their minds and that could be easily hijacked by the by the devil in the atmosphere if they're not living in discernment, could just get so riled up in their flesh and get angry. They just they just get motivated by the by the crowd and they just go into the field and they just start beating each other up. Um, so I just want to say that when we talk about transformation, I want us to understand that that uh, that words can have a spirit to them. Like when someone says something to you from the mind of Christ, the spirit of God is behind that. And in Acts 20, verse 32, Ron quoted that verse. We are built up and encouraged in the word of grace. That's edification. There's a spirit behind those words. But sometimes we, sometimes in our personalities, we can get negative and get pulled down, and we can just start speaking out of negativity and, and of pessimism, and there can just be a spirit of just negativity behind those words. Words that you and I, that you and I say, they, can, they are really either from God or they're not from God. I just want to stop there. I don't want to get too much into this, but, but when you have an object that's worshipped, the object itself doesn't have power over people. You know these little Buddhas, for example? Like, like these little Indian things that, you know, in India they have 250 million different gods. Okay, and every house has their own set of gods, and they have like a little shrine, they feed the god, they put food in front of it. It's almost like putting cookies in front of, you know, it's like putting cookies on Christmas Eve for Santa. <laughs> I won't touch that, though. <laughs> I'm not going to mess up our Christmas. I'm not going to do that. Okay. But um, does that little idol have power in itself? You know, no, it doesn't. It's the attention that is directed at it that that brings people into bondage. 
And so transformation really happens on a spiritual level, and we need transformation. But what, how before we can be transformed in an area of our life, there needs to be a level, there needs to be cleansing. And when we were singing this morning, I just thought that was such an appropriate song to sing that we sang at the end about all of our pain and sorrow being cleansed and washed away. I'd never heard that song before. That's just an awesome song. And we could sing that again at the end if we, if we, if we wanted to. But there are times in our life where we just really feel like, man, I just need a catharsis. I need like a spiritual cleansing. And what does that mean? Well, I just want to get a little bit, first of all, um, into uh, how many have heard of Sigmund Freud? Now, we don't believe what he teaches, but this guy, very interesting, twisted guy. I don't want to tell you everything he believed because it would just, you know, it's, uh, would not be appropriate in church. But he had a failed theory, and his theory was what he called um, a catharsis, an emotional catharsis. Let me explain what that is, and you're gonna you're gonna get it in a minute, but. His theory was that a person needs to release his emotions because he gets under pressure. And he's like a pressure cooker. It's like boiling water in the pot. The top of the, the cover of the pot starts to rattle. And it's like there's a lot of pressure underneath that. And if it's not removed, then it's going to explode. And he said to avoid that explosion, there needs to be some type of release. And his, him not understanding anything spiritual in any way said that the way to release the emotions was to in some way express your emotion like anger or frustration or whatever the emotion you were experiencing to go freely express it so you could release that emotion so that the lid doesn't blow off. And what he said was is that releasing emotions decreases the pressure or tension in the person so they have fewer negative emotions and are less aggressive. Now, that has, been, that has been tested and that has been researched. And he himself, Sigmund Freud, uh, left that theory because there wasn't enough to verify that it really worked. As a matter of fact, uh, the bulk of research on this type of thinking hasn't done much to back it up. Venting aggression, just listen to this, venting aggression or anger does not appear to reduce future aggression. In fact, it might actually make a person angrier or even worse by expressing that emotion. In Europe, and I don't know if they're here, but there were these uh, rooms that people could go to and they could just, they were soundproof rooms and they would just go in and they would just scream as, and yell as loud as they could to get all that energy out of them. And, uh, and then they would leave and, um, uh, you know, I'd, and it didn't help them. And what it did was just basically reinforce that pattern of anger. And this was an unsustainable theory. Studies demonstrated that expressing anger created more anger or hostility when compared to groups that were not permitted to express anger. So despite the opposing evidence, many people still do not believe, still, many people still do believe that aggression reduces frustration. Um, it is and here's an interesting, I, I thought, the Global Hygiene Council, you can tell that I've had a lot of time to study because I get these really cool quotes. <laughs> it's suggested by the Global Hygiene Council that we wash our hands at least six times a day. 
I just thought, well, I wonder how many times we should be washing our hands. I was trying to get an illustration for this message that we wash our hands six times a day. In the same way, we need to do often a cleansing of just our spiritual extremities. Okay, Extra- spiritual extremities. What are those? Well, our physical extremities are our hands, right? Our feet that need to be washed. Well, there are parts of us, of our spirit, that is just in contact with the world that we work in, that we live in, the people that we interact with. And that just needs to be clean sometimes. You ever talk to somebody that's in a very, just in a very dark situation? And you're talking, you're helping them, you're working with them. And then that darkness kind of just feels like it's just kind of like you're starting to, it's like trying to get into your, get into you or something. You kind of just feel dirty or like, you're finished with the conversation, you're walking away and you just feel, oh, I just feel like so spiritually, wow, I just, just don't feel so clean. I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? Like that darkness is trying to get into, into you. And when that happens, we just need to understand how do I just get clean? I mean, I'm born again. I'm saved. Um, you know, that John 10, verse 20, nothing can take me out of the hands of Christ. And so, but there are times when I just need that cleansing. And I think even sometimes in our personal life, we just feel like, wow, you know, I just have not had a great week. I just have been failing in my mind. I've been failing in my decisions. And I just need a cleansing, God. I just need a catharsis. I just need a purging. And how does that happen? Well, it just really starts with James 4, verse 8. This verse that's on the, on the screen. It just says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's just that's really the first step, and I just want us to go to Hebrews ten verse twenty two, and I want to read this to you. Hebrews chapter ten verse twenty two. It says this: uh, "Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith." What does that mean? Let's draw near to God in full assurance of faith. You know that there are times when we feel kind of dirty, and we don't. We just feel like we are. We're just even rejecting ourselves. And there are times when, when we just need to draw near to God. And this is what Hebrews 4 verse 16 is saying, that, that when we are in a time of need or a time of trouble, we can draw near to God. And we can do that with full assurance of faith that God's not going to reject us. The sad thing that many people believe today is that they can't come into a church because they're just so dirty, they're a sinner, or whatever. And that's such a lie. This is the place to come to. It's like having cancer and saying, I can't go to the hospital because I got cancer. I'm going to infect the hospital with cancer. And so we just draw near. And this Bible says that we draw near with a full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There's, I've counted seven ways that we can practically experience the catharsis or the clean, a spiritual cleansing in our life. And really, there's actually two words, and I want to just give you two Greek words. And, and if you're new here, please don't, please don't get, um, please don't get too uh, freaked out by the words we're using here. Uh, just as Jesus was washing the feet of the of of Peter, um, and said, "He that's been bathed once doesn't need to be bathed again; he just needs his feet washed." Uh, that is really showing two aspects of cleansing in the New Testament. And we have two words in the New Testament that are words in the Greek, original Greek language that are used for cleansing. Number one, the first word, and it's up there on the screen, hagnos, which is basically means holy. 
It means cleansed. It means something that has been cleansed once and for all. And it's in whatever happens uh, to that object that it is, it is set apart, it is cleansed, it is holy. And this is the word that is really used for believers that have been born again in Christ. You are holy. We are holy. We are already holy. It's not something that we have to try to attain to, but we are holy. We are already holy. It's like having the last name Rockefeller. You know, okay, what's your, what's your last name? Rockefeller. That really kind of means something in the world, doesn't it? No matter what happens in that person's life, they are a Rockefeller. And the same, in the, and same as a believer. And there's a lot of Greek tenses and grammar that can really back this up. But once we have the name of Christ, we are holy. We have his righteousness. And this is in 1 John 3, verse 3. This is a purity that comes because we are in Christ. No matter how you feel today, you are, if you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and made that decision in your life to believe on him, then you're in Christ and you're there. And uh, there's nothing that can unsave you from being in Jesus Christ. The second word here is katharos, which is a word that is the same word for for clean or cleansing, but it actually means something that though we are totally pure in our position, we may need periodic cleansing. Okay, There are times when we just need that periodic cleansing of God. And how does that happen? Well, it really happens by having an inner catharsis, and there's seven ways that this can happen. And uh, just like we wash our hands six times a day, there's seven ways that we can just wash our our spiritual hands. When we get into some, sometimes when I go, like, you know, sometimes we go, you know, we went downtown you know, yesterday with, with Ron and Becca, and we were just looking at just different neighborhoods, and it's just really on our heart that we would see something start there again. Um, you know, we looked at a Christian cafe that's down in the uh, in Northeast, and we'd like to have a Bible study there and just have people that we know and that people maybe in the area could go to And there's other people in the inner city that have been calling us saying, hey, can you come back? We just want studies. And when we were down there, we just went to some very interesting neighborhoods. And it's really interesting that people that we ministered to down there really are in the same, literally some of the same streets as where Ron was ministering two years ago. And so what we want to do is just restart that up uh, in a couple of weeks. When we were down there, we were driving back, and I could, you know, how you could just feel like, wow, you know, the things that you see going on. We pulled up into some very interesting corners. And we pulled up in my wife's car, and we're just there, and it's like, all these guys are there, you know, and I'm on my phone. Ron jumps out of the car, has a conversation with somebody, jumps back in the car. You know what that looks like, doesn't it? (laughs) So we're just driving back, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, like, God, I just, you know. Quicken me, cleanse me. And there's three, there's seven ways, and I want you to write these down, okay? Seven ways that we can just have an inner catharsis. Not by going and yelling at our mate or just telling everybody what we really think of them, but really just going to God and just having these, doing these seven things. Number one, draw near to God, James 4, verse 8. Listen to this verse. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Isn't that beautiful? We draw near to God, he's going to just draw near to you. He's not going to run away from you. He's going to draw near to you. And then it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
I took that verse apart in the Greek the other day, and this is an amazing verse. And it has a lot of depth to it. And it doesn't necessarily sound the way it may really impact you by the way that King James puts it. Let me just take this verse apart for you. Cleanse your hands. You know what that word cleanse? Now in this verse there are two words. Two different words are two words that we're looking at. Hagnos and katharos. Cleanse your hands. And guess what word that is? Katharos, which means to cleanse your hands, you sinners. Now what's the word here for sinners? Sinners is a word here that is from the Greek that means just to miss the mark. Meaning that you're missing the mark. Uh, You're missing the mark of what God has for you in his awesome plan. That is what sin is. In Romans chapter 14, verse 23, sin is whenever I stop functioning in faith in my life, trusting God. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Hagnos. So what does it say, purify your heart? Well, I can't purify my heart. And this word tells us hagnos. It means, means that, you know what, you are already pure in the Lord. So start thinking that way in your heart. And you're going to experience that purity, that cleansing, that cleansing. How many understand what I'm saying? We are already in Christ, and when we think that way, then we experience this purity. Okay, number two, the second way. So the first way is just to draw near to God. A lot of times we want to withdraw, condemn ourselves, beat ourselves up. That's, that's really the opposite of what we should be doing. We, don't, we want to draw near to God. Second thing is to walk in the light and have fellowship with each other. Walk in the light as he is in the light. 1 John 1, verse 7. And fellowship with each other. And what does it say? It says, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. Katharizo. Cleanses us. Katharis. Cleanses us from all sin. When we come to church, and that's why it's so important, like, to, you know, when we come to church, there's a cleansing that happens when we just talk with the saints. You know, just come in. Thursday night, we had a great prayer meeting here. It was just so awesome. We just had a great fellowship. And, you know, sometimes we might think, well, and I know there's some of us that have, like, our personality may may not like it, but it's it, we need it. We need to step out of our personality, and we need, to, we need to grow in who we are in Jesus Christ. And when we get together here, as it says here, walking in the light, that means I'm just going to walk in the light about what God says about my life. I'm not going to live in the darkness. I'm not going to hide from God. When we walk in the light and we have fellowship with each other, then you know what that does? There's a cleansing that happens. You know, Matt and I met for coffee this week. And, you know, after we talk, you know, I'm walking home and I just feel like a cleansing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You have someone come over and you just share Christ. You just talk about eternal things. And there's that cleansing. You feel that cleansing. That's number two. Number three First uh, John 1 9, it's just that same chapter, just a couple verses later, it says that if you confess your sin, which basically says, First um, <laughs> John 1 verse 9, it says, if we confess our sin, if we say the same thing to God that God says about it, then it's just dealt with. Confession, as we said before, doesn't mean that I'm that I'm trying to promise myself it's never going to happen again. Basically, what I'm saying is, is that, God, I'm saying the same thing that you say about this. And when we confess our sin, then there's a cleansing that happens. All right, number four, 1 John 3, verse 3. And this verse says, Everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself as he is pure. 
You know, hope purifies us. This is number four. Hope. Hope purifies us. It just cleanses our direction. It cleanses and cleans our our um, our 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 faith goals. Hope. Maybe you're not in a very good situation right now, but if you put your hope in the Lord that Jesus Christ is coming soon, you know, those that are being persecuted overseas for their faith, their hope is in the coming of Jesus Christ. And that's how they purify themselves. That's how they keep themselves from the darkness of their situation. We've heard so many stories of Christians like Corey Tenboom and... Uh, Richard Wormbrandt, who was, a con- who was a pastor in communist Romania, how when they were in jail, instead of succumbing to the darkness that was in that jail and the persecution, they put their hope in Jesus Christ and it purified them. It purified them. Number five, Acts 15, verse 9. And this is a great verse about racism. Uh, I think that that's a big question these days that we live in. Uh, racism, um, ethnic consciousness instead of Christ consciousness. You know, he's from that background or from that part, you know. Acts 15 verse 9 says this, make no distinction between us and them, purifying your hearts by faith. And so in the New Testament, in the new church, there were these believers that were not Jews that were getting saved. And they were coming into the church and the Jews were just starting to get a little upset, like, well, who are these people that are not Jewish coming into the church? There was ethnic tension in the beginning of the first church. And the disciples came to the conclusion that they are not going to make a distinction who's Greek, uh, who's Jewish, and who's this and who's that. That they, were gonna, that they were going to walk in faith, walk by faith in dealing with other people. And this was a purification that happened. This purified them. Number six, obeying truth through the Spirit. You know, when we just obey God by faith in our life, through the Holy Spirit, there's a purification that happens. There's a cleansing that happens. And just say, you know what, I can either do this, I can go down this road, or I can, oh, I can just obey God and just obey truth in my life and go down this road. There's a lot of cleansing that happens. And this, is what, this is what David said in Psalm 119, how shall a young man cleanse his way? by taking heed to the word. When we just take heed to the word of God in our life, there's a cleansing that happens. There's an inner cleansing. And then number seven, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 2. This is a beautiful verse. It states this, well, it says this, Therefore, since, we, since these great promises are ours, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates and defiles the body and spirit and bring our consecration to completeness in the reverential fear of God. That means that when we, have prom- when we have the promises of God that he's never going to leave us nor forsake us, that delivers us from the darkness that's in the world. When we, have the pro- when we understand the promise that, that um, uh, and there's just hundreds and hundreds of promises in the Bible, when the Bible tells us that uh, that no weapon that is formed against us will prosper. That, that per, when we believe that promise, there is a cleansing that's happening in our life. When we're, it's, when we're faced with a fearful or threatening circumstance and we understand the promises of God that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us in Philippians chapter 4, 
And that, that, there's a purification that happens. You know, somebody may say to you, you know, you're not going to make it. Um, we just had a, a brother here, Chris Hines. He was here last, uh, last week. Remember him? And I don't know if he shared Sunday night, but uh, he was for 14 years in, in addiction. And uh, he just was like not, he was just failing and failing and just not making it. And he said, he said, if somebody had told me earlier that not only would I be able to overcome this and be addiction free, but that God was going to do something mighty in my life, that would have just gotten me out of my cycle. Because we have to have, we have to understand that transformation goes beyond just quitting something. But God just wants to bring us to a point where he wants to use us in a mighty way, being free from something. For example, um, the world will say, hey, modify yourself and just get better and and just don't take drugs anymore, okay? And then you're going to be drug free. But a person still walks around with that self-image of just being, okay, I am a former drug addict. But that's not God's mind about you. It's like, you know, was Paul walking around saying, I'm a former murderer, you know? No, Paul was an apostle. And so transformation happens in our life when we understand that God's not only delivering us from something, but he's making us into something so much, so much more amazing and that has such a plan for us in the future. And when we, when we hold on to these promises and we enter into God's calling for our life, and I just want to finish with that, that, that true transformation happens in John 15, verse 3. This is the last verse I want to use. It says this, that you are now... Or in some translations it says, you are already clean through the word that I've spoken to you. The Bible cleans us. The Bible cleanses us. And whenever we just have that sense of dirtiness, then open the word and just get flooded and cleansed by the washing of the word of God. Because the word puts us back on our feet and, get, and, and, and gets us back in the right direction. And that's how we, that's how we function with an inner catharsis. That's how we live in an inner cleansing and when we do that, then we are just candidates to experience God's plan, his future. And what happened with Chris Hines? Chris Hines now is a youth leader in Kansas City, and he's got 80 kids that he just ministers to, 70, 80 kids. And he says, he says I just talk to them. I just share Christ with them. And he said, if, I just, if my goal in my life was to be drug-free, then I would have never entered into God's plan. But now I have this calling in my life that not only am I drug-free or addiction-free, I am now functioning in victory, ministering to these kids. And that's, I think, God's plan for us, to get us not only just out of living the cycles of sin, but to live in a place where we're impacting other people for Christ. And your greatest weakness, guess what? Becomes your greatest strength and your greatest testimony to other people. Watch God do that. Amen? Amen. All right, let's play, pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for your faithfulness to us, Lord. We thank you, God, for transformation that happens, Lord, that as we trust you with the promises, as we trust you, Lord, with a new mindset, and we can approach your call for our lives just so um, enabled by God and his spirit. And if you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. God is a gentleman. He's not going to invade your life unless you invite him. But if you do, he comes in and he just does a major house cleaning. 
He cleanses and he heals. Just receive Christ today. Believe on him this Sunday morning in the month of November. Father, we just pray you bless these words in Jesus' precious name. and Bless the offering that we're going to take now. Amen. Ushers, can you come up and get ready to take the offering?